Hey, it's Thursday and it's time for Minute 44 of the Airport Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over the greatest disaster movie of all time, the 1970 Universal Pictures movie Airport. Not airplane, but airport. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDad.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.TV. And uh, once again, we are joined by writer, uh, actor, podcaster, and humanitarian, Mr. Brett Stillo. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm also a videographer and a collector of rare cheeses. So I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> That's re- for real? No, 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 but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's really. I collect navel lint in my spare time. Ooh. I'm hoping to get I'm... some from Mr. Find later. Oh, Mr. F- yeah, Mr. I bet you he has some awesome lint. But uh, <laughs> now I, I don't have, I really don't have the budget to say I'm a rare cheese collector, but it sure sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. And open some doors, so. <laughs> it, looks, it looks good on the resume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I, I do know you are uh, a, a newer podcaster, but it's it should be out by the time that uh, th- uh, this is on, and it's uh, uh, Five Minutes of Trouble yeah. is yeah. where you can find it. And I'll let you explain a little bit about what Five Minutes of Trouble is about. Well, this is radical. We're, we're changing the world of, of Movie Minute podcasting. It's, it's uh, a review of uh, the cult film Big Trouble in Little China. And hold on to this. We are on once a week, and we cover five minutes at a time. I know that sounds crazy. Five minutes it's, at a time. You know? It's like it's like Cinerama. It's the Cinerama version of yeah. the movie by Minute. Yeah. 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 It's gonna take the world by storm. They'll have to rebuild theaters just to handle this kind of stuff. People will have to wear more headphones just to just to hear the grandeur of it. Fasten your seatbelts. That's what I gotta yeah. say. So five minutes of trouble. Exactly. Wow, well look, looking forward to it. Or actually since this is we're in a time warp, it it looks great so far. So uh, yes. definitely t- tune in on there, and uh, well, but we're t- we're still we're we're on location at uh, Lincoln International Airport in Chicago slash uh, Minneapolis St. Paul. Uh, dear Tanya Livingston has the tickets to flight one hundred three from to Los Angeles, and she's marching over to uh, Mr. Coakley and Ada Consett, who are waiting patiently in the uh, Terminal One of uh, Lincoln Term- Lincoln International Airport, and uh, we are seeing her. About to hand over the tickets, and she's uh, playing keep away from, from poor old Ada with uh, with the tickets, and she gets to yeah, she uh, gets a little snarky with old Ada. Yeah, oh no, you don't. Oh, well, you don't. No, shut down. Mm, I don't know. No, no, Biddy. No, Biddy. Yeah, this is G. Oh, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that, America. She rated movie. Biddy. Yeah, Biddy. And what looks like, uh, as she's walking, it looks like Dean Acheson in the background. I don't know. There's some rather distinguished-looking gentleman waiting for... Uh, he could be the mayor of Minneapolis in 1970. He's just seated uh, behind a large uh, suitcase as she first walked in. Oh, you mean behind behind uh, uh, Ada Quonset? And... No, no, as like in the first, uh, I don't know, seven or eight seconds, I think. It's, uh, yeah, second, num- second number six, you can see this fellow... Uh, Watch, uh, watching, trying not to watch the action, but he's actually watching Gene Seberg walking by, and he's just totally ruining the shot. Right. right. Real life, uh, a a real life Minneapolis St. Paul uh, airport commissioner. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's Mr. Ackerman right there, and the guy on the left in the uh, it looks like a trilby. He looks like a Vladimir Putin's dad, carefully sliding off screen to the left as she's as she's walking in. Well, you know there were KGB agents planted in on this thing, watching. Oh, you know. they, they wanted to know how easy it would be to uh, sneak uh, sticks of dynamite onto a, an American airplane. 
Exactly. So, so she comes. She comes over, hands over the tickets, and then and then leaves. And uh, and there's Helen, a woman with a checkerboard on her head. Walking yeah. Behind. Or, or yeah, mean, it's some kind of beach ball thing. She yeah. she really Edith Head really let her her uh, hat creativity loose on this project. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. I mean, there's just no end. You know, <laughs> you've got ice buckets. You've got yeah, know. igloos, and yeah, it's just it's astonishing. Ada has a, a ferret on her head. Yeah, and and perfectly quaffed Mister Coakley. I mean, that, yeah. he doesn't need. He maybe doesn't his need hair. a hat, man. Oh my his, god, yeah. His that, is his hair made of fiberglass. That hair is bulletproof. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a ha- half a dozen cans of Aquanet right there. You could yeah. he could walk out in that snowstorm and nothing would happen. You no, know, you could probably land a seven oh seven on his part. I mean, oh, if you look like it's a runway. I think they what they did was they went back to uh, Butch Cassidy and they said we need a, a Robert Redford type haircut and it needs to be that exact color. So find somebody like this, and then they just went through all the color headshots and said this guy. Yeah, John Finlander. Yeah, he's uh, or Finlater, 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 Finlater. He's, so he's yeah. still with us. He is still with us. He lives in uh, SoCal, and uh, hopefully someday he will be on the show. Excellent. Excellent. That, that's the day that Mark will do uh, handsprings, I think, for because we're waiting to talk to him. He's got a lot of questions. He's he's kind of like... <laughs> now, the question is, does he want to talk to us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his feelings are on this movie, but hopefully it's positive because he does he does sell his role very well. I mean, he is kind of the uh, uh, Kenneth from 30 Rock. He's the Ebb from Green Acres. He's that, you know, the flunky, the guy that's yeah. always getting in trouble, and he's got to just kind of swallow every mistake that he makes yeah. because it helps the plot along. And he just has a look that I, I remember so vividly from movies and TV shows of this era. You know, you're still in the, like, if you're under 30, yeah. you know, this is my said, if you're under 30, you're useless. Mm. You know, you're, you might as well be 17. And, uh, you know, he just has this look. He's, he's somewhere between John Davidson and Ronnie Howard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he, he's very much an Opie. Yeah, and he just, there just seemed to be just so many guys who had that look, like, you know the you know the young farmhand who needs Doctor uh, Marshall Dillon's help, or uh, you know just that that type. You know he he looks like he could have been on the Waltons. He yeah, looks definitely. Like one definitely. Of those yeah. guys too. So that's just again a look that I totally think of from the era. And and they copy it even to do that era. I mean, they, they're, like if you think of that thing you do, he's got the same haircut as Jimmy from that thing you do. It's that <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah, perfect, perfect part, perfect hair, and. It's, uh, it's, you want to say timeless, but it marks a, a certain period perfectly. That's, uh, I, I think I may have tried for that when I was a kid. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's the Brill Cream. He's a Brill Cream boy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he does, I mean, the problem I think is the hair length. I don't know. 1970 was a little bit early for allowing that in the corporate world, but maybe they're just kind of pushing the envelope there. Um, yeah, I think yeah, exactly. It, it's a little, you know, it's a little. I would say it's a little daring for somebody say with a nine to five job. I don't know. Maybe, maybe what we don't realize about Peter Coakley is he's, uh, you know, he's a lead singer of the hottest band in uh, in Chicago at that time. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think what what's going to happen some like maybe tomorrow, Clark Howitt, when this finally comes back, his his boss's boss, uh, uh, Tanya's boss, Bert Weatherby, is going to come in and say, you know, why don't you get a haircut? You know, there's a yeah. barbershop right. downstairs. Go. Do it right now. Damn hippie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but maybe yeah, maybe when he takes the brill cream out it, it's a lot longer and he you know, he ends up looking like Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones or something Ooh, like that. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can dream. Yeah, so, it's an enigma. We'll never know. Yeah. 
he or hopefully he'll come on the show and we'll find all the secrets of uh of Peter Coakley. Um and then again there's that uh that great uh, logo of the TGA logo on his on his chest. And again, it's half it's half great and half horrible. If they would just change the font, I think they could have saved saved it, made it look more like a more like a real logo of the time. This is this is good for and, and what what this the good thing is is that this leads into another chance for uh, for Helen Hayes to display her acting chops. She's sitting there telling stories and and talking about you know she said a whole scene that they didn't have to film. She just tells them about how she got caught, her last adventure. There and then there's this constant question. Mark and I have been talking about this in previous episodes. Is everything that Ada Quonset says a lie? Is this particular thing that she's talking about a lie? Or or she only tell the truth when she's talking about the, the latest grift? Because this does seem to be, you know, a story of her failed grifting, um, where she's talking about the, uh, the cop from San Diego that turned her in. Oh, right, she trusted him. Yeah. She probably hates men now, too. Uh, well, she doesn't. I don't think she loses any love over Tanya. Right, I, right. I Ooh. think... Yeah, I think it's just you know she she tells as much truth as she needs to to get the uh, the job done. And you, you've just set me on a whole new uh, course with Ada. Like, really? yeah, she she isn't a widow. She had, doesn't have a daughter in New York, and she's actually smuggling heroin. Okay, yeah, I there is another there is another theory that we've been running with about uh, uh, Jesse Royce Landis that she's in league with her, and this is just like an entire. Uh, smuggling operation, and she could have been the faint, the one that they were going to catch. Yeah, and, uh, you know, getting getting her to run through. I mean, who yeah. knows what she's got in that wallet? She could be having, you know, bearer bonds or whatever. Cause, uh, yeah, because you know what? Okay, what's what's Lloyd Nolan's character's name again? Harry Standish. Yeah, Harry Standish, who everyone knows is the toughest TSA agent, customs agent in in the Midwest. So yeah. this was all an elaborate ruse to get past Harry Standish. Yeah, the whole false flag operation and things. Yeah. Or here's an even bigger thought. Maybe Harry is in on the whole thing. Maybe this is he he's getting close to retirement and he just found out he's getting passed over and they're cutting his pension and the only way he can get through is if he can make the big score with a bunch of little old ladies that he knows. Ooh. Yeah. So, I I'd would like, totally I would watch that movie. Yeah, I'd like yeah, I'd like to think he and he and Ada are lovers. Ooh, yeah. And they're like, you know, this is the big one. Yeah, this is one one for the one for the record books, <laughs> and uh, oh my god, yeah, it's <laughs> blarf. Yeah, this this movie could could have gone in a whole different direction. This could have been a TV series. Yeah, we, would, yeah. we just wrote Airport seventy two. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a shame that you know, if only they had uh, re- read our loose leaf screenplays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, she's she's telling a great story here. I'm. I'm assuming that when she gets caught, that part is true. But everything else, I think it's just all made up, and she just knows how to work every. I don't even think she has a daughter in New York. I, I think yeah. that's that's just a lie. She does seem to know. She's an as, enigma. Yeah, well, she does seem to know as much of the uh, TGA schedule as possible. I mean, she's she's routing off all this stuff about uh, how to get how to get from one place to another. She's talking about that that flight that goes from St. Louis to Kansas City to Chicago because there's a lot of segments on it. And you can beat the you can pretend to be asleep and then they won't bother you. And, you know, she obviously has done this thing, I'd say more than, more than two or three dozen times. She really knows she, she plans her work. And like her husband told her, you consider every angle. So, um, yeah, she's, she's the mass criminal mastermind of this movie. She's Kaiser Soja, basically. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Funny. 
so it's uh well that does make it a better movie i mean it's already a great movie but when you start thinking about the backgrounds of some of these people it, it just gets so much better and uh i think that's uh you know that's where that's where we're going with these kind of minutes and so anyway we're going to leave we're going to leave helen hayes or ada uh working working her magic on uh, peter coakley and we're going to go to the uh, all-important uh, Airport of the Future set where uh, Commissioner Ackerman has been about to page uh, Mel to get him back in here to tell him about the decision that he could have just, you know, phoned him on his page, left him a pager and had him call. But it's better to tell him in person that he's going to, well, he's, he's going to do something awesome with the, uh, with the airport. And we are, we are now in the conference room, which we are going to be in for quite some time. As uh, Mel and uh, Ackerman are going to be discussing the future of uh, Lincoln International and what's to become of Meadowood. First thing I notice in this place is the <laughs> the four ashtrays. Yeah, because those are the biggest ashtrays I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think Joe Petroni could fill up one of those. Yeah, yeah. Cigar, wet cigars and all. Think, uh, but I don't see any ashtrays out in the audience. So I guess the only smokers are the uh, commissioners. And their and their gavel guy, who apparently is a non-smoker. Um, they've got ink blotters and all kinds of telephones. They don't have any uh, white courtesy phones or red courtesy phones, so I guess this is the outbound lines only. And uh, they have that rather complicated. They have two versions of the airport there, uh, one on the wall and one on the uh, the floor that's a 3D model. That I don't know. They must leave this thing in there all the time. Is it a is it a permanent fixture? Are they? Is it just there? just for some hope for a dream that's been there since like 1966. <laughs> it's all very, very confusing. Why, why did Ackerman leave his coat in the second row? That's another, why, why did he go? He's kind of marking his territory. This is my conference room. <laughs> and they've got a, uh, they've got a globe and uh, zodiacal signs on the wall to, I guess, uh, counter, the Astrolabs that were in uh, uh, the executive lounge back there several episodes ago. So it gives you that whole nautical renaissance feel. I'm sure what. that the commissioners also do secret, uh, you know, satanic rites. That's yeah, exactly. all, that's what I was thinking. That's funny. Yeah. Purple robes, wizards, hats, the whole yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Ackerman just, you know, th- th- that, that explains some bad mojo I was getting about Ackerman. You know, the fact that he apparently dresses like it's 1890. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he looks John yeah. Hausman in uh, Paper Chase. That's yeah, nice. or you know, he looks like he gave George Bailey a bad time, and it's a wonderful life. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I think Ackerman may actually, you know, be 150 years old and is using dark arcane forces. Yeah, at work here. That's you know, that's the real. There's a real secret of Meadowood. Yeah, you put something bad in those in that snow, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Gallup. Oh gosh, wow. And what are, are those textbooks? What is in that bookcase? It's all kind of I don't know, very odd. Necronomicon. Yeah, that's probably it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. Yes. Yeah, very. Uh, very Lovecraftian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it I looks think normal. Yeah. I think we're. Who is? Do you know if there's anybody doing airport fan fiction? Because I think we've we've got like I, two great angles here. I, yeah. I, I, I can. <laughs> I, 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 think I think we could get a lock on that. Whole we've got, yeah. We've got to get a treatment out really quickly. Yeah. Airport seventy two, and it features you know, Ada yeah. Quonset against the dark forces of the commissioners. Uh, yes, and a computer generated Chad Everett. I can see that right now. He'd be there. <laughs> 
Yeah, regenerator jetta. Uh, what is lighting that back wall? I, you know, it's like there's no light source that seems to be, unless somebody pulled, all I can see is like behind the commissioner's desk is a, a fully powered uh, 707 and it's got its headlights on. And it's just shining. That that lighting is, is just intense that you're seeing Mel and his shadow looking, you know, around the room. So it's going to be interesting times here in uh, the commissioner's uh, high chamber. I don't, yeah, you know, well, well, we'll have to come back tomorrow and find out what what he's going to do and how he's going to what he's going to deal, what cards he's going to deal to Mel. But that's uh, that's something to pick up tomorrow. Uh, right now, today, let's let's uh, wait for wait, wait to end out the week. Uh, you can join us here on several different social media uh, formats. We've got uh, Airport Minute at Twitter. We've got Airport Minute at Facebook. We've also we've also on Facebook. We've got the uh, Airport Minute Commanders Club, where people meet and join and talk about. Uh, satanic rights and other things that happen in, in airport. Uh, also at our great big site, airportminute.com, we've got individual episode listings with a bunch of addenda, photos, uh, framed pictures and uh, memorabilia, scary uh, thoughts and afterthoughts in the commentary section, or you can leave your own comments. That's fine. Uh, if you'd like to help out uh, keeping airportminute.com going, uh, we have a little sidebar there with uh, Amazon features of uh, being able to buy any of the airport Movies including Airport 75, 77, The Concord, uh, the book by Arthur Haley. You can get a digital copy of uh, Airport and start watching it because you really should because we're four, you know we're three quarters of an hour into this movie and if you haven't watched it, I can't imagine how to figure out what's going on if you haven't even seen a picture of this thing. So uh, yeah, try that. Also, uh, please subscribe to our podcast on Airport Minute. Uh, just search for Airport Minute in iTunes. Uh, you can plug in and get one of these episodes delivered every day or if you'd like once a week you can go out and get uh, five minutes of trouble which i'm sure will be on itunes oh yeah so, uh, go out and gr- grab one of those and you'll you'll have your uh, entertainment needs satisfied to the uh, uh third decimal place at least so uh thank you for listening to today's episode join us and we'll finish out the week tomorrow with further adventures of commissioner ackerman and poor mel bakersfield who can't seem to delegate anything get anything done we'll find out if he you know, mans up and faces down Ackerman on tomorrow's show. Join us there. Until then, good day. Bye. Bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. Mm-hmm.